Good day, everybody, and welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by a 120 power star rating. I'm your host, Drew Agnew, and the doors to episode 236 are open. This week on the show, Games Media has had hands-on with Pokemon Violet and Scarlet, and we'll discuss whether video game boycotts are for you. I hope you're going well, and I'm looking forward to jumping into the show. I've been actually meaning to record it for the last couple of uh, days, and I've still got a lingering blocked nose and all of that fun stuff, but I don't think it's COVID. I think I've actually got it from my son, who uh, goes to childcare on Fridays. And he always brings back some bloody flu, some cough, some runny nose. And I think, um, like, was it three months of uh, him going or two months or however long it's gone? I've completely lost track of time, believe me. Um, he, I think there's twice I'm like, you know, we get to the Monday. We're like, I think we're, I think we're fine. I don't think we caught anything. <laughs> oh, my God. Shit and hell. And we do like a little dance and celebration. Be like, thank God. But it's been um it's, it's been a time for me you know coming back from PAX got COVID you know got over that within I don't know say five days then I caught something else from Lucas and then I caught another cough from Lucas and you know I can tell because it feels it feels different it's a different cough it's a little bit <laughs> it's a little bit louder it's um you know my nose is a little bit runnier and more congested in the throat and it's no good, man. We're coming. I'm just sort of gritting my teeth until we get the summer here in Australia. And it's a bit warmer. It's a bit nicer. And some of these flus can go and just jack themselves right off. Like, just just disappear. I'm sick of it. I tell you what. Um, especially especially doing this show, I feel like, you know, I'm going to have to make a solo. We're going to have to do it this way. It's going to be a lot of fun. But in some ways it is nice. Like at least I can um, mute my cough or something when um, the other person goes to talk. But here we are, we are, we're doing it. But um, this is my medicine. This is what's going to keep me sane. This is what's going to keep me talking throughout the show. We've got a nice bubbly beer. We've got Great Northern. Um, Great Northern. Uh, it's a super crisp. It's a mid-strength. Um, it's a, you know, it's a Queensland beer. It's very popular here. It's sort of... Um, you know, all, all the old boys, you know, they're on the, the West End, the VBs, all of that. But now they've all gone to Great Northern. I think it's just an easy uh, drinking beer. But um, I usually don't try to drink like Coke or beer or whatever when I'm doing the show. But uh, honestly, it was the only thing in the fridge that wasn't like just water. And we've got tap water, but yeah, I, I'm a little bit nervous about spilling that, to be honest, as far as like, you know, I talk with my hands a lot when I'm doing the show. So let's um, let's try not to do that the beer might be the safer option. Uh, let's have a drink now. Oh, yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. I usually, you know, especially this time of year when I'm sharing, I usually like, you know, I don't drink much at all. Like I sort of play it up on our other show, Crack and Furfy sometimes, you know, it's all it's all based around like the, the Furfy beer. But I don't drink that often. But when it comes to sharing time, you know, we, we usually have like one after work, you know, the... Uh, the contractor puts on a beer afterwards and it's nice. It's uh, it's really good. Just having a beer afterwards, nice and relaxing. This is good. So it's like um, it's like I've just finished sharing, even though I um, haven't worked today. But um, I'm rambling. I'd like to jump into housekeeping and just thank uh, everybody who has, has subscribed to youtube.com slash iDruby. I really do appreciate, guy, uh, appreciate it, guys. All 122 of you, I just, um, I can't believe... Uh, you know, so many people jumped on the on the bandwagon when I needed two subscribers to be like, hey, two subscribers, I have a hundred when I can get the custom URL and, you know, all that stuff and celebrate, you know, the first milestone as, you know, 
a, a like a, a YouTube channel. Um, but yeah, a bunch of a bunch of people jumped on it, and I'm really excited about that. So thank you very much. Going forward, I'm actually going to be making that YouTube channel basically the base for all of the podcasts and other content that comes to my mind. I'd like to make. So if you're at all interested in what I do, yeah, go and check out the YouTube channel. Uh, this upcoming weekend, I actually have a have a photo shoot uh, booked in with my cousin to uh, get um get get it all looking nice and spiffy and nice and you know pictures of of myself for the profile picture and you know all that stuff. And it's weird because I'm not really the type of person to like want photos taken of him. And I do realize how hypocritical that is because here I am literally with a camera and a microphone pointed right in my face. Um, but when it comes to like, oh, let's get a nice picture of me. I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's possible. But um, they're very talented people. That's why I hire them to do it because they can get nice pictures. Because <laughs> me just like putting the phone out, but uh, I, I can't smile. I've got to do a either a fake smile or just like, uh, put my brain somewhere else. And my, <laughs> then, you know, that's when the nice smiles come out, but I'm not really, I don't like showing my teeth or anything like that. I'm, you know, a bit self-conscious when it comes to that. But anyway, thank you very much for, yeah, supporting the YouTube channel and also kickstarted youtube.com. No, sorry. Patreon.com slash Ruby, where if you'd like to support the show financially, you, you can. And I really do appreciate the 11 patrons over there. Brand new Patreon. Um, Oliver Chaston, actually a family friend of mine. So Oliver, thank you very much. I know you come to the Patreon through Kraken Furfies. So very much appreciated, my friend. And uh, just to let you guys know, you can get access to two uh, Patreon exclusive shows over there for $1. One's a behind the scenes podcast, which I just call Secret Recordings, where every week I jump on to the mic and I just discuss what's going on in my mind and um, stuff I'm looking forward to. I guess, uh, making and implementing in the future and just behind the scenes stuff I uh, like to talk about and probably a lot more like content creation when it comes to, you know, the nitty gritty podcast stuff, which I am also very, very passionate about. And I also know that I've, um, I've got like a big update as far as um, what I talked about last week on secret recordings as well, as far as, um, you know, some personal stuff. Um, yeah, uh, I, I just realized like, that that was not meant to be a part of like the, the cell to be like, oh, what's going on there? But um, just to let people, uh, let the handful of people know that did listen to that, you know, th- there are some positive updates as far as that goes, which I'm keen to uh, let you guys know about. And also a podcast, which we call Heaps Good, which I do with my good friend, Josh of Nintendvania. He's been on the show a few times before and we've teamed up to do a podcast called Heaps Good, which goes on my Patreon and his Patreon once a month, a dollar in each Patreon. So you can support whoever you like. And we just get together, catch up and have some good hangouts. And we really do have a good time. And uh, especially after meeting in person at PAX, I think um, that show is going to uh, get you know better and better. Uh, we did record an episode the other day and that's when I realized my nose was no good. <laughs> so I was trying to talk. I literally couldn't talk in some bits there. <laughs> so if that was a solo show, goodness gracious, what will that turned into? So I very much appreciate you, uh, you guys letting me talk about that a little bit. And um, let's talk about some um, other things. But I want to, uh, you know, keep talking about some, I guess, non-Nintendo stuff before we jump into it. I know this show is the Nintendo podcast, but um, there's not a whole lot that's been going on this week. And my game playing also hasn't been all that much either. And that's something I actually want to talk about. It's just uh, over like, the last couple of months, I really haven't like really dug into a video game all that much. And it's been, I think it's just, uh, you know, me getting used to my new life and my new routines and all that with my son. You know, he's eight months now and back in July, 
I found myself in a really good rhythm, you know, playing Fire Emblem uh, Three Hopes and, you know, just a, a bunch of stuff there with Blossom Tales 2. And, you know, there's some games that I was really excited for. So I think that might have helped in itself. But it was, um, you know, with Lucas being a little bit younger, he just sort of sat there and you can, you know, <laughs> put like a, put like the soft toys in front of him and he just sort of like shakes them a bit and he's content. But, you know, going forward now, it's been it's been hard to find the time just to pick up the Switch and all of that. So I, I think I'm just going to talk through, I guess, you know, well, not, not really talk through it, but just try and understand like how I can try and make sure I get some good gaming time in because the last week I bought Persona 5 uh, Royal on Switch and I've been looking forward to getting that for a long time. We all know we've been waiting for that game in particular to get a Switch port for a, just like, I don't know, three years. It's been a very, been a very long time. Uh, it's finally happened. And like over the weekend, I just sort of, I'm like, oh, well, I think like each night I've been going to bed like eight o'clock and I was like, I oh, looked, I need to do just an hour a night. And if I do an hour a night and by the time Christmas comes, you know, I'll be a good chunk into it if you just sort of uh, manage it like that. But it, it just, um, it just sort of hasn't happened. It's been, you know, gaming's just been real tough as far as um, getting, I guess, getting the time and the motivation and also like just that, that amount of like that two hour window that you want to like get into a JRPG as well. It's not just like, oh, I got half an hour. Let's just uh, learn this whole combat system, get into the story and all that. You sort of want like a nice um, amount of time to get into it. And uh, I guess that's just, uh, that's me needing to not sleep, but I need my sleep, man. I need my sleep something bad. I know some of you gamers out there, you, you know, you're staying up at two o'clock and you get up at six o'clock and you don't need sleep. I need my sleep, man. I need like 12 hours sleep. And I think that's because my job, because it's so physical, like I get home, I'm, I'm ready for bed when I get home. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think, um, I think I'm going to, Basically, I'm going to report in next week, see how I go, and try and get at least an hour of Persona 5 in. Um, but we've got some, like, big sort of games that came out, you know, in the last week. We've got Persona 5 Royal, which is on Metacritic, sitting at a 94, which is really great. So, you know, it's a great port of Persona. Um, there's, like, obvious sort of, you know, downgrades from the PlayStation version, the Xbox version, the PC version. Um, you know, just the obvious ones that it's not running at 4K and... Um, you know, I guess 60 frames per second or whatever. But as far as like the graphical fidelity, which is something that I was concerned about a little bit because it's such a beautiful game and the atmosphere is so important to Persona 5 that I'm glad that it held up well. So I'm really just, I'm, I'm itching to get into it, but I also haven't. <laughs> and in my, uh, I guess my free time I got now, I'm recording the show. So well, I guess I could try and uh, double dip. I could tr just... Uh, go through some persona text at the moment but the other game that i um i can't speak to because i haven't played it um is uh, mario plus rabbit's sparks of hope that also came out on th uh, thursday last week sitting at 86 on metacritic and it's got some great reviews a lot of nines and eights pretty much across the board so um if you've been looking forward to this game you know it's as good as it looks so that's fantastic and this is a game that's uh, really sort of crept up on me as far as me wanting to get it I'm going to bring it up a little bit later as far as our boycott conversation goes. But, um, you know, I, I wasn't that impressed with Ubisoft as far as like a lot of their titles goes and a few of their decisions. But 
I think um, with Sparks of Hope, I sort of went, all right, you know, I don't want to sort of break just because it's Mario. But as the months have gone on, I've sort of, you know, laxed on that um, thought a little bit more and I'll pick up this when it's a little bit cheaper because we all know Ubisoft games, even though this is a Mario a Mario spin-off, that, you know, we're going to get this for a nice cheap price going forward. So that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I can just going to be a Christmas game for me. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun around Christmas and I've got a couple of other games that I'm like, all right, I'm looking forward to it, but I just won't enjoy it as much, um, you know, in this busy time of year for me. So, um, Mario plus rabbit sparks of hope and got a war Ragnarok actually on PS5. I'm looking forward to jumping into them, uh, around Christmas time. So that'd be, that'll be uh, pretty cool. Um, pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but let's move on to our Guru Geek Out, the segment where we where we pay tribute to our late friend Bobby Pauls, the Nintendo Guru. And I, I uh, want to start things off just by talking about my son, Lucas. And, you know, the last... Uh, well, since I was home for COVID, I had to stay home for five days, isolate, not go anywhere, not do anything, and didn't feel too good. But the positive about it was that, you know, I got to stay home with my family and um, unfortunately make uh, Chantel sick. Um, but she was only sick for a day. So I guess it wasn't too bad, but you know, I got some really important time with my son because like the week before that um, he goes to bed at seven thirty, And by the time I get home, I don't know, six or six thirty, have a shower and that. And but by the time, you know, all that routine's done, it, you know, it's time for bed and I don't get to do anything really that significant for, with him. But you know, over the last, you know, five days, I was, you know, just able to hang out with him. And I think our sort of bond just, you know, got that much closer just because I was able to stay home and just play with him and take him places. And um, today, even we, um, since uh, I got to stay home from work, it was wet weather. So, you know, you can't shear sheep in wet weather, which is, um, which is a thing in itself. But we got to, go, we actually went to kinder gym, which is like, a, I guess it's gym for real small kids. And it was so much fun. Like, you know, Lucas, he just, he just crawls and he just sucks on things, but <laughs> he wasn't able to jump or anything, obviously. But it was just great to sort of, you know, take him there. And I think our our sort of, uh, you know, son-father bond is just getting stronger by the day. And I think, uh, you know, I, I can only imagine what what parents of, you know, a 20-year-old would, would feel. I can, I can just, um, I can really sort of relate to, you know, to, well, I guess, you know, parents just like how much they love this, like, this little person and eventually maybe bigger person than them. Um, it's insane, man. It really is. I'm, I'm so happy to be a father. It's making like everything else harder, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it for me. It really is. And I know Chantel feels the same way, even though she um, gets less of a break because she's the full-time parent <laughs> at work. So yeah, man, I'm, I'm absolutely loving being a, being a father, even if it makes uh, making making a playing persona five a little bit harder <laughs> um, but also i want to give a big shout out to my good friend ash wallace he's been a friend of mine since since high school he moved to perth and we still kept on contact and uh you know we saw each other at pax and we do a podcast called crack and furfies together which we have a lot of fun with and he's actually moving to canada he's doing um some placement over there at a ski lodge doing some being an uh, auto electrician as far as his trade goes. And he's going to have a great time. He's gone on a couple of holidays already this year and he's got the itch and he's going away again, man. And, you know, I guess, you know, speaking of Lucas just before, you know, Ash being a, a single male on a, 
on, on like a, you know, a great wage type of thing and he can just do what he wants and go, go where he needs to on, on like, you know, the, the whip of a stick or the whip of a stick. Go anywhere on the whip of a stick. I don't know if that's a saying, but it is now. Um, you know, I, I'm just living vicariously through him. It's, uh, it's really cool to see and I hope he has a fantastic time and, uh, you know, Ash, he's, I always described him as like the, the guy at school who, you know, just everyone likes. He's just so easy to get along with. Like if you're like, oh, I hate that Ash guy. It's like, dude, what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> what's, what's up your ass where you feel so so grumpy that you need to <laughs> not like him? But yeah, man, he's always been like the most, um, I don't have a bad word to say about him. He's the most friendly sort of, you know, just like bloke I know. Always, always willing to help and, you know, be a good mate. So hopefully we still get some podcast recordings when he's over there. If he can work out what time in the morning he needs to wake up and um, I can, uh, <laughs> what time I can work out to make it happen for me as well. But yeah, man. And also actually talking about cracking the furfies, my, my other co-host on there, uh, Daniel Treadray, he, all of a sudden he's like, oh, I got this new job. And when it finishes, I'm going to South Africa after. I'm like, all right, Jesus Christ. Imagine, imagine if, uh, imagine, I was going to say, imagine if I could do that. I don't know if I want to just like get on a plane and go to South Africa. I've got, I really don't want to leave my family. <laughs> and uh, the idea, idea of them coming with me sounds tricky as well. <laughs> taking, taking your little kid to South Africa. Oh my God, that sounds like a nightmare. Just a plane trip alone. Yeah. But yeah, just a um, big shout out to Ash, man. Hope you have a fantastic time, mate. If you're listening to this, if you're not, there's a, there's a tr- if, if, if a tree falls in the woods, can you, I don't know. Right. I'm butchering all the sayings, so I'm not even going to finish it. All right, let's move into, I guess, some of the the happenings within the Nintendo community this week. And honestly, guys, it's so quiet, but I'm not even going to bother playing the jingle for the news. <laughs> but there is something I want to talk about. So we've got previews for Pokemon Violet and Scarlet from multiple outlets and, you know, content creators online. And I'm excited to check out what this game is like because... I've got my expectations for Pokemon. I've been a Pokemon fan for for years and years at this point. Pretty much, tw- oh, oh, oh! I just realised, yeah, almost twenty. Well, pr- yeah, next year it'll be twenty years. I got into it in like two thousand and three, like Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire. Mm. Mm. Oh, oh, you're making me feel old, Pokemon. Don't you bloody do that to me. You meant you meant to make me feel young, Pokemon. Christ Almighty! All right, there's older people out there than me, so don't want to yammer on about it too much. Otherwise, you're like, oh, God, I'm even older. What's going on? Now, getting old's good. It's when you stop getting old. That's where the issue lies. So let's uh, let's jump into some outlets' uh, thoughts on it. We've got, uh, what do we got here? We've got Go Nintendo. We've got Kevin Cassidy, and he's quoted for saying, I've only scratched the surface with Pokemon Violet and Scarlet, and honestly... Uh, that's what excites me the most. I didn't see anything that caused me concern or upset me. I only encountered features that I wanted to try, areas I wanted to dive into, and a new Pokemon to catch. Much like Zelda Breath of the Wild, it's incredibly hard to grasp the scope and scale of Pokemon Violet and Scarlet in such a quick demo session. My time of the game flew by, which obviously is a good sign for what's to come. If two hours can go by by the blink of an eye, just imagine how quickly time will pass when we're playing the real deal. Then we got IGN with uh, uh, Casey, I, I believe, on Nintendo Voice Chat. 
she's quoted for saying, overall Pokemon Violet and Scarlet seem to shake up the traditional Pokemon formula in more ways than one with an open world to explore freely, three stories to tackle on your own terms, four player co-op and even smaller details we probably haven't even uncovered uh, yet like the disposal of forced NPC battles. There's enough new here to make me make uh, make me highly anticipate a new Pokemon journey once Violet and Scarlet are released on November 18th. So I always love how uh, quotes or sentences are finished like, oh, yes. Like me as like, you know, a Nintendo podcast, I, I, I'm just like, I cannot wait for Pokemon Violet and Scarlet to come up November 18th. <laughs> Um, I guess that's, if I was writing, I might actually do that because, you know, it's good information to have because honestly, I forgot when the games are actually coming out, like the exact date. Um, And that's mainly because with these games, I'm very much just like almost on media blackout. I'm checking out the trailers that Pokemon Company putting out and they're not putting out too many where it's like, all right, you need to stop. So I'm not blacking myself out from them. But even like, you know, there's been so many leaks this year and my favorite Pokemon content creator is a drive. He's a streamer on YouTube and Twitch. And I love watching his like playthroughs of Pokemon ROM hacks and just his news updates. And I, I really love his channel. You know, I've supported him quite a lot through, you know, buying his you know, sponsored merch and, you know, whatever. So, you know, I really enjoy him, but honestly this year I have not watched hardly any of his content. And that's purely because he's really diving into the leaks and all of this leak culture that's going on. And that's fair enough because I think that's what people want to watch. So I do not blame him whatsoever. He's just passed a million subscribers. So I think that's, um, you know, he's getting great views on just all that stuff. That's what people want to see. But I don't, I didn't want to see it. I, I sort of, uh, I was at a moment of weakness there for a little bit. And I uh, did check out a video that did say that there's going to be like a Pokemon that's based on Diglett. It's not a regional form. And obviously we got that with Wiglet. Uh, I knew that there was going to be a giraffe rig evolution um, that we now know. But um, honestly, there was no, I got nothing spoiled for me that is like, this is what it looks like. Here's a, you know, a high res screenshot or anything like that. So as far as like the leaks go that I checked out, it is, it's all official now as far as I'm concerned. So um, I'm, um, I'm free of uh, the, the leak culture as far as that goes. But apart from that, man, like, all the trailers that they're showing, um, I'm not too... I don't need too much more information. I think they they want you to go into the games and explore. And that's why they're really hitting home that, like, you can do these three stories in whatever order you want. And um, while I don't think it's as revolutionary as, you know, it, we may think it would be, purely because, you know, we've got the gym challenge, we've got the team star, you know, ch- challenge or journey, you know, the evil team. And then we, what, what was the other one? But just, you know, it slipped my mind right now, but then we've got the other, oh, you, you're going around basically taking on like the, the big Pokemon, like, you know, basically like almost bosses. Um, and to me, that is just sort of taking what's already in Pokemon games and splitting them up, um, which is great. You know, you can just do it in any order you want, but typically all that stuff is just mixed together. You know, you'll be doing the gym challenge, you'll come across... Uh, you know, Team Rocket, then you'll battle them. Then you go to the next gym, you battle another Team Rocket, you know, boss. And then also there's this other thing that's, um, you know, typically in the post game. Um, but, you know, it's all separated together. And I am interested to see how that will work out. 
Going on with some more impressions, though, we've got a Eurogamer, and this is um, an interesting one. This is where they have concerns about the game's performance. And, uh, quote, uh, menus are slow and noticeably laggy, and animations are hugely tro- uh, choppy, with NPCs moving like flicker book drawings, even at very close distance, and town buildings loading in as you walk through their streets. Again, we are pre-launch here, and things can, of course, change, but we've played a few Pokemon game previews now, and Pokemon Violet and Scarlet are, without a doubt, the roughest feeling of those, end quote. So, I will say, like, a lot of people are just like, oh, look, um you know, it's a, uh, it's, it's pre, you know, it's gameplay. It hasn't released yet. This could be a build from a month ago, two months ago, whatever. And of course, those are hundred percent true. Like um, you've got to go into this, like this is not the final product or not even like the, the day one patch or, you know, anything like that. A lot of things can change fingers crossed, but I will say this is what they are putting out to journalists. And this is, this is what I think we should expect because Pokemon games are just not technical sh- showcases whatsoever, even to the point where, you know, yeah, we, we expect a, a product that really, um, really sort of, you know, we have, uh, we have a lot to desire. Let's put it that way. That's the nicest way I can think of it. <laughs> and it's not just because of, you know, the way it looks or anything like that. It's just, you know, it's not Game Freak's, uh, it's not Game Freak's strength. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so, you know, go into it, you know, these are going to be fun. We're going to have a fun Pokemon game on our hands, guys. It's going to be great. I think we're going to have great characters. It's going to be nice to have the freedom, a place to explore. We got that taste in Pokemon Legends Arceus, and I think it was awesome in that. So just the fact that we can go across the whole region with brand new Pokemon and get the, uh, you know, the competitive scene back. And we've seen the trailers from, you know, when they had the, like the Pokemon, uh, the world championships, just all the items and new abilities and Pokemon and stuff that they had introduced in there. We're going to have a great game on our hands, guys. It's going to be awesome. But yeah, I think we are going to sort of pay for that as far as the technical prowess of just like how it all flows when you're jumping into menus and stuff. But, you know, fingers crossed that is a, that is something they can touch up in an update or even, you know, before release on cartridge, hopefully. Um, but yeah, just get, I, I wouldn't, when it comes to previews, it's kind of like, this is what you're showing me. So, you know, pr- prove me wrong up like it, later on. But for now, this is this is just how it is, unfortunately. But I think um, if you guys want to go and check out the gameplay, there's uh, seven minutes of just like cut together gameplay, which looks great. It just gives you a taste of what you're going to be doing during the game. Um, you know, running around the legendaries, you can climb walls, you can glide, you can do all the stuff they show in the trailer, but it's a lot nicer just being able to see it in action rather than just, you know, different camera angles and, you know, using the dev tools that we don't have access to. So under a month until uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet come out and these are my most anticipated games because they're my comfort food. I love them a lot. <laughs> so really cool to uh, go and check that out. But what I actually want to do touch on, and I want to uh, share this with you guys as well, um, also talking about Pokemon Violet and Scarlet, from these sort of, uh, I guess, gameplay trailers that they've brought out, we've got a little bit of a taste of what the, the music's going to be in these new games. The, the wild battle music and the trainer battle music, as well as some stuff from the gym. Um, so I'm going to play it actually for you guys and just like give you a taste if you haven't caught it in the actual gameplay trailer. So first of all, let's jump into the new wild battle music. 
And it's very different to what we would expect just going forward. Like, you know, usually expect like, dun, 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 dun. and I, I love every generation's music. Um, even on Encore at the House of Mario, I've gone through like all the music from all of the series. It's been just awesome. But this is what it's like in this. It's a lot more like laid back. So, and they've got the bass just... Just belting. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it like it's, it's interesting because I guess with this brand new sort of um, gameplay style of just you know going around and a Pokemon pops up and then you th go and battle it, you're gonna be you're gonna be just like getting around a lot more and maybe not battling more Pokemon, but just as you go as your like exploring the world. You don't want it to be like, oh my God. Just, but you know, it's just like the music changes until like, doom, doom. like, you know, you can hear that there's stakes, but it's not too, not too in your face. So I appreciate that. But um, it's, it's the trainer, it's the trainer music that uh, gets me bop. And I reckon it sounds pretty dope. So let's play it all. Let's play it here. And um, yeah, let's talk about there. Let's see what you guys think. Yeah, not bad. I, that, that one gets me. That one gets me hyped. I reckon that's gonna miss, be great. And regardless of what you th you think of the last generation of Pokemon, Generation Eight with uh, Sword and Shield, the music was awesome. The music was absolutely fantastic. Like that gym theme was the best gym theme in the whole series. And just with like the background music of the stadium roaring and that, I think even the sound design was a uh, pretty pretty well on point for those games. So. That's something I'm going to be paying attention to. I will be playing with uh, with a headset on, just really taking in a lot of this music, and I can't wait. I cannot wait for these games, man. I've been, like I said, I've been on media blackout. I've had these games in the back of my head, but as we get closer, and um, you know, to these games coming out, and I've got the the Switch limited edition Violet and Scarlet um, OLED model um, coming as well, which I'll I guess I'll spend a lot of money on and put it on my shelf. <laughs> And uh, got the double pack coming. It's going to be great, man. I cannot wait. It's going to be awesome. But um, it might be a bit uh, a bit glitchy to get into the menu, apparently. So that's okay. That's okay. And we've also got a bit of an update as far as the Bayonetta situation goes, as far as the uh, voice, tac uh, <laughs> voice, <tactor. laughs> voice actor, uh, Helena Taylor, as far as... Um, some information that she put onto Twitter, basically saying that she was only offered four thousand US dollars, as far as um, you know, I guess you know to get paid for voice voice acting Bayonetta, and you know, for a lot of us, we're like, all right, you know, I don't really understand the voice acting industry, but four thousand dollars doesn't sound like a whole lot. Is that like, is she is she voicing the whole game in like an afternoon? Because an afternoon four thousand dollars, like, oh, not too bad, um, you know, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> 
not really uh, what you're worth as far as your talent and like, you know, the fact you're putting your actual voice out there. There's like, there's a lot of things you've got to keep in mind. And it's not just the work, let alone as it is extremely hard work. I can imagine going to a sound booth by myself and um, even, even having like, even if you had like the immense talent to be able to do it, it's like, it's, it's hard work, especially when, especially if you've got a role where you've got to really scream and show emotion and whatever. And you can, sh- you can see what that emotion does differently. Um, if you're able to, to convey it, let's, uh, let's all go back to the breath of the wild. Um, just like a uh, trailer at the Nintendo switch event. That was, was it, oh, when was it? Mar- oh, February in Japan. I, I can't remember the date. I don't even know why I'm trying, but we, we saw the Japanese trailer and Zelda, like she just like bawling in tears as she held link. And, um, you know, as talented as the English voice actor was, you know, the crying was so much more emotional, with the Japanese voice acting. So it is, it's, it's very important. And these people are extremely skilled. And like I said last week, you know, I've met a couple of voice actors. I had the just pleasure of interviewing them for the podcast that I do. And just being in their presence is like, whoa, like these, these people are very skilled at what they do. But, um, Let's just, let's jump into the Bloomberg article. So this is from Jason Schreier. He's probably, I, I dare say, I'd say like the most journalist of the video game journalists out there as far as it all goes. He's, he's got his agenda with unions and stuff like that. And, you know, that's fair enough. But um, sometimes I think he, he kind of pushes his agenda a little bit too much as far as like, you know, what he will report. But I don't know. Like, you know, pe- people can make that decision for himself. But um the uh, Bloomberg uh, article reads, a paid uh, dispute between the creator of a critically acclaimed video game series and its star voice actor uh, resigned a long simmering debate over wages in the industry. As is often the case in these shorts of disagreements, the details surrounding negotiations and casting for the upcoming game Bayonetta 3 are more complicated than what was portrayed publicly. The feud spilled out into the open over the weekend when Helena Taylor, the star of the first two Bayonetta games, said she would not appear in the next iteration. It is to be released for the Nintendo Switch on October 28th. She posted a series of videos on Sunday on Twitter accusing Nintendo Co. and the games developer Platinum Games of offering her a total $4,000 to reprise her role. She said she was rejected. Uh, she rejected the lowball offer and asked fans to refrain from buying the game. Quote, if you're someone who cares about people, who cares about the world around you, and uh, uh, who cares about who will get hurt with these financial decisions, then I urge you to boycott this game, Taylor said in one of her videos. The videos went viral, racking up more than 9.5 million views on Twitter. Taylor's story touched a nerve among gamers, voice actors, and beloved fans, but uh, but failed to command anywhere near anywhere close to what a Hollywood actor makes. Game actors have uh, have, lo- uh, have long uh, complained of uh, being underpaid and underappreciated. Some have said they receive little information about their roles until the show, uh, show up on the recording booth. The industry operates uh, in such uh, cluestain uh, ways that actors sometimes won't even know what game they're recording lines for until it's finished. <laughs> All right, where's it getting to the actual information? In the case of Bayonetta 3, the developer appeared to be determined, determined to rehire Taylor according to two people familiar with the negotiations as well as documentation reviewed by Bloomberg. Here's what their 
here's where their accounts differ. Platinum Games sought to hire Taylor for the at least five sessions, each paying $3,000 to $4,000 for, for four hours in the studio, said the people, um, who asked not to be identified because they aren't authorized to, the, to discuss private contract negotiations. That would make for a total uh, for the game at, at, at least $15,000. Uh, in response, they said Taylor asked for a six-figure sum as well as residuals on the game. Platinum declined and followed lengthy negotiations, uh, took uh, auditions for a new actor. Uh, Platinum later offered Taylor a cameo in the game uh, for the fee of one session, uh, which she turned down, the people said. In the email, Taylor described this account as an absolute lie and said Platinum Games was trying to save their ass and the game. She said she stood by everything she said in the video. I would like to put, uh, sorry, quote, I would like to put this whole bloody franchise behind me and quite frankly, get on with my life in theatre, end quote. Representatives for Platinum Games and Nintendo did not respond to the request for comment. Hideki Kamiya, the executive director of Bayonetta 3, called Taylor's allegations sad and deplorable in a Twitter post. So that's the article there. I skipped a little bit there because they put a lot of fluff in there. So, yeah, you know, you got you to gotta get your money's worth, I guess, if you're paying for Bloomberg. Um, but, yeah, this is what sort of came out uh, within the last week since I last talked about it. And I've had a little bit more time to also think about it as well. Last week, I was like, I had COVID brain. I was like, oh, no, I don't know. I can't remember what I said, to be honest. Um, but as, as far as all this goes, it's become a he said, she said situation. I know a lot of people have been saying that online. And that's 100% true. Like, that's just what it is. And we will not know what the truth is. Helen Taylor, I don't know what reason she has to lie. She's put a lot on the line to come out and say this. And also, you know, Jason Schreier, he's a, you know, renowned journalist and he wouldn't put a lie out there either. And, you know, he's doing what he needs to do to, you know, save the identity of his, you know, his sources. But also we don't know who his sources are and that makes it hard as well. Like they're not at Platinum Games. Are they at the, uh, I guess, the the company that, you know, scouts voice actors and, you know, that's the, the company they go through that Platinum Game uses you know, for English, uh, you know, actors to get into it. Like, I, I, you know, no idea. I guess it's somewhere along the chain of command there somewhere. But going back to what Helena Taylor said, we're talking about like, you know, should you boycott Bayonetta 3? And I, I've been thinking about this um, as far as just what I feel just in my heart as far as boycotting games in general goes, whether it's because of, who owns them or what the companies or the developers are doing, what individuals are doing wrong at these certain companies, you know, are certain people getting just fucked over, uh, voice actors being underpaid. Um, there's so many aspects of the games industry that are, that are not nice, honestly. And, you know, it's getting bigger. Video games are getting more respect. There's much more money in video games than there were even 10 years ago at this point, even, you know, you know, Call of Duty and all that, we're breaking records with every, you know, release. So it's a, it's a tough decision to make. And I think everybody needs to make it on their own accord. And, it, you know, of course, that's obvious. But when you get Helena Taylor coming out being like, you know, I, you know boycott this game. I don't, she, she shouldn't be telling anyone to boycott it or, you know, donate to charity or whatever. Like it, it's hard because you've got to make up your own mind. 
And there's lots of situations we've talked about on this very podcast as far as, you know, things that I won't support because I don't feel good about them. But you can also start, it can set off a domino effect and you find so many things that you're like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to put my money there. You know, like for me, like, you know, we, I talked about it earlier and in fact we would discuss it here, but with, uh, you know, Mario Plus Rabbits, I... I think that game looks great. It's really evoking Mario Galaxy. I think, you know, the first game was fantastic as well. Ubisoft, you know, Ubisoft Paris has done an amazing job. Um, just, it, it's an incredible game. But uh, I I haven't been a big fan of what Ubisoft has been doing in the last, you know, f- uh, I guess a few years. Um, just with putting out its, you know, just, you know, boring games and... I, I know I know this is very subjective. I know a lot of people love Ubisoft games, but when they stopped doing like the Ubisoft arts thing, I just, in my eyes, it all sort of went downhill. And when they were doing like um, the NFTs and, you know, getting into microtransactions and things, I was like, you know, what, I don't, I don't really want to support where this company is going. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to support Mario plus rabbits because of that. But, you know, like I said, my thought on Ubisoft just individually has gotten better, honestly. And the fact they are teaming up with Nintendo and putting out a, a good product that is, doesn't just want to nickel and dime you. It has a season pass, but, um, you know, going off the last season pass for Mario Plus Rabbids with the Donkey Kong DLC and costumes and, you know, just all the stuff that comes with it. I think this is a, a product that's, you know, probably worth supporting, but just for me, it's going to be like, all right, I don't want to support you too much, but I'm happy to give you 50 bucks, you know, when, when the game's on sale or something like that. So that that's where I come down on that. But, you know, on on uh, just the extreme side of things for me, and I, I want to preface this, I, I'm not telling anyone what they should or should not do with their money or their time or their fandom. But for me, like Act, uh, Activision Blizzard, for example, uh, earlier this year, horrible, horrible stories come out of that company what was going on, so many just like sexual harassment allegations, uh, you know, and they're still going on today. New ones are popping up and how that company just just treats their fans like shit, whether it's World of Warcraft or uh, Diablo Immortal with that, so their monetization scheme. Um, I, I reckon it's awful. That company is toxic and I cannot support them whatsoever. And I've got a lot of respect for some of their franchises. Honestly, I think Call of Duty is an awesome, awesome first-person shooter. I think it's been fantastic, and that's why it is in the place of the industry that it is, because it's always been a real fun. The gameplay was nailed. It felt awesome. Always ran at 60 frames per second. You know, that's a, that's a talking point in the, in the game's, um, you know, I guess, ecosystem this week. Um, but you know, it's a, it's a fantastic time. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to enjoy modern warfare too, uh, this month. Um, and, uh, you know, I hope you have a fantastic time with it guys. I really do. But I, I would feel sick buying an Activision Blizzard game. I, I think they're, I think they're a awful, awful company. I really do. So when it comes to, you know, boycotts, I, I'm, I'm happy to be like, never, never, ever, 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 ever want to support that company. But when it comes to like, you know, the middle ground, it comes a little bit more more tricky. It's like, I really, like with Bayonetta 3, like it is hundreds of people who are doing, you know, development at, at Platinum Games. Um, and it's just like the one voice actor. So, you know, personally for me, when it comes to boycotting Bayonetta 3, it's a, 
it's a no. I, you know, I'll, I'll be more more than happy to purchase Bayonetta three. Honestly, um, I will. I will say though that within the last week, I got an email from Nintendo Australia, and I will be getting a launch code for this game, so I don't have to buy it. But I honestly don't feel like, you know, I feel like it, it sucks for just voice actors in general. I don't think it's just Helena that's in this position. I think it's just a, it's just tough. It, it really is. It just it just sort of sucks that these people aren't sort of looked at as like, as what they're worth, to be honest. And it's also tricky for Bayonetta because it's also, it's not a massive franchise. Like, like Bayonetta 2 didn't even sell like a million copies. And that was on Wii U. So you can't really, you can't really look at it um, like that. You know, Switch will hopefully be a completely different position. You know, brand new game on a console that's got 100 million plus units out there. Like surely this game will stir up a little bit more than, its predecessors, but it's a, it's a, it's a tricky thing, man. It's a tricky thing because if you keep looking, you could even get to the point where it's like, huh, Nintendo has, uh, you know, shareholders and all that. And 5% of their stocks is by Saudi, you know, by Saudi Arabia, the, you know, the, 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 the prince over there. And uh, what, what, so the money goes to him. So like, you know, 5%, he'll get a bit more on his investment whenever you buy a Nintendo game. Hmm. That's interesting. So you know, what's what's the what's the crown prince done over there? Oh, he's just you know killed a journalist. You know, you know Western journalist. Oh, that's a bit rough. Oh, you know for for a long time, you know women weren't allowed to do whatever they wanted. No, oh, okay, fair enough. Oh. You know that you you can start looking and be like, oh well, don't really want to support Nintendo then. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, no, it's tough. It's um it's hard. So. You just got to look at the situation, have all the knowledge you need and just think about it. Like, is it worth losing out on something that you love that brings your life joy and uh, value to, you know, not support anymore? Um, Because like even like SNK, same situation, Um, Saudi Arabia, you know, the the fund over there owns like 97% of them. So whenever you buy an SNK game, like, you know, almost 100% of your money is going to them. So... Yeah, it's tricky. So there's like even worse situations out there. And like if you buy a Switch, you know, you're probably supporting some not so great working conditions in China to make it as well. So yeah, it's a tough thing. Don't look too far into it. <laughs> but also don't be so naive that you're buying just just uh, stuff that uh, is not um, not helping anyone as far as, the, as far as anyone's going. It's tough, man. It really is tough. I need a beer. This is a this is a situation, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, because it's just a, a predicament I've been in the last few like few months as well. You know, really taking in this Activision Blizzard stuff, and when the Nintendo news broke, as far as you know, the five percent by Saudi Arabia, and um, even like the last week, you know, with the Bayonetta stuff, it's been tough. Like it's um. Like this is just meant to be pure fun. And now we are getting more sort of, I guess, political and financial realities coming into it that are affecting the business of video games that do indeed sort of, um, I guess, hinder our enjoyment of them in some ways. And while it's easy to maybe stay naive and, you know, if you never found out about, you know, Helena Taylor being displeased by what's going on, you wouldn't have, you would have never thought about it, enjoyed Bayonetta 3, but that was fun and turn it off, but 
I think it's important. At least we're having this conversation. So hopefully going forward, um, you know, the voice actors for Platinum Games does employ. You know, they'll think about it a little bit more being like, okay, okay, let's actually, you know, pay them a little bit better and hopefully we'll get some good press and all that that comes along with it. I'm sure that's what they're thinking. But with Helena, it's interesting. I don't think she'll ever work in games again, honestly. Like Bayonetta was one of her own only and especially her like main role and whoever places will have her back. Like she's not in the union or anything. So that might be, that might be a, actually a plus for some people, especially with Nintendo. Like Nintendo only hires non-union workers, which is, which is interesting. I would like to know like exactly why. Um, but I guess we'll find out another day. I would like to invite uh, Helena on the show, um, you know, to talk about this. I'd love to hear her side and have an actually long-form discussion about it and not just an interview from, you know, well, even an email from Jason Schreiber, be like, this sort of a response, be like, absolutely not, that's bullshit. Like, you know, you said $4,000. $4,000 is it's probably a little bit too ridiculous <laughs> to even, like, all right, well, surely that's a lie, especially at this point, like $4,000 a session, like 15 grand all up. It's a little bit more in reality, but still, still very low. But anyway, we'll um, we'll wrap that one up there. I want to jump into Sakurai's phone booth right now. We just got a, a question from Wacko Jacko, and he says, "With only two months left in the year, what games are you looking forward to? And also, um, what's one what's one gaming regret you have possibly might have had?" So we'll, we'll jump into the games I'm looking forward to later this year. And honestly, a bulk of them came out today. <laughs> well, the, oh, last week, sorry, not today. But, you know, this week or this month, I'm saying this week. But, uh, yeah, this month we've had um, uh, we've had Nier Automata, which I've been looking forward to coming to Switch for a while. I pre-ordered it. I got it. Haven't played it. Um, we talked about this problem I have, <laughs> I've had earlier. But then we've got uh, Persona 5 Royal which I've got on the Switch, ready to go. Looking forward to getting into that. Going to make a super, super concentrated episode, uh, effort. Oh, God. I, I um, yeah, I meant to say effort, and I said episode. What am I doing there? Um, but apart from that, that's all, on, that's all on this month. And going in November, I would love to give Harvest Stellar a go, which I don't think I'll have time for, <laughs> but I would love to give it a go, maybe one day. Um, Sonic Frontiers, I'm actually really, I want to say excited for, but I'm, I'm not very optimistic about, you know, the Sonic team. So it's definitely, this is a hundred percent a game, but I'm like, all right, come release day. What are the reviews? If the reviews are at least average out to be a seven, like, please just be a seven. I just want an open world. I can run around, grind on some rails, do some puzzles, go through, go through some like checkpoints, do some speed challenges, do some platforming collect some things, put it together, move to the next level. Like, you know, that's that's what I want. <laughs> and just make it good, please. And also the day after that, we've got God of War Ragnarok, which I said is going to be a Christmas time game for me. So I think that's going to be great. I, I can't wait to get into that. I'm, um, I've got to be honest, I haven't been really that into a lot of PlayStation games like the last few years, apart from um, uh, The Last of Us Part 2, which I love. It's like one of my favorite games of all time. Um, but you know, God of War and Horizon and all this stuff, I don't know, without the Japanese side of things, you know, with Studio Japan at Sony, it's really, it's really sort of hampered my love of the first party, but yeah, God of War, looking forward to it. 
what else we got that month? Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Obviously, we're look at, looking forward to that. We talked a lot about that this episode. Going into December, we've got Need for Speed Unbound, which actually, actually only got announced uh, the, the other week, which looks awesome. It's a graffiti art style for Need for Speed. I've been a big Need for Speed fan. Um, it's like, you know, since my mum had a computer and when she got a got a computer and I was, this is before I probably even had a Game Boy, honestly. Um, it was pre-installed with Need for Speed Hot Pursuit, I think. And it looked awesome. I remember it like, you know, uh, it got, the computer was kitted out with a subwoofer and that. And I sat down and I think mum was like, oh, look, you know, the, the technician put the, put a game on it for you. I'm like, oh, cool. So I sat down and I played all the PC games with mouse and keyboard. I, I loved it. Um, so yeah, big Need for Speed fan and even Need for Speed Most Wanted, which wasn't the PlayStation 2 one, but the one that was on PlayStation 3, Xbox 360. Um, and also PS Vita. It was awesome on PS Vita as well. That is what really made me love the series. And it was just an open world Need for Speed game going around doing challenges, um, doing uh, races. And I just loved the gameplay of like the arcade racing, the ability to like hold in the uh, uh, square button, do NOS. Uh, it just felt feels so good. But all of the games afterwards, they um they just didn't feel anywhere near as good. And a lot of that is because with the launch of the PlayStation 4, um, EA actually swapped over from... Criterion as the lead developer and they had a new studio start up to do Need for Speed and that studio was called Ghost and they did an okay job for the most part. Need for Speed Rivals was, was all right but it certainly didn't hold my attention all that long and um, all, all of the games didn't since then just really haven't captured me and I just I just want like a, a fun Need for Speed game, arcadey, all about the racing and the atmosphere and the attitude um, but they tried to go down like the storytelling route, just like with characters you don't care about, like Need for Speed Heat even, like that was one that was actually reviewed okay. It's just like, I don't care about, I don't care about what's going on. Like, it's like knockoff um, Fast and Furious. <laughs> and it's just not not working for me. But December 2nd, really looking forward to this game. I think it's going to be great actually. So that's going to be probably, probably a pre-order. That's not risky pre-order, mind you. I'm not that confident about it. And also on the same day, the Callisto Protocol as well. I think that's going to be pretty cool. A lot of people are looking forward to that. Just a survival horror game, really sort of harkening back to Dead Space with actually the same director as um, Dead Space. So bringing a lot of that DNA into a brand new franchise, which is cool. Might get it. We'll see what's um, going on in my gaming plate um, as far as that goes. But uh, Need for Speed that day is probably my pick. Um, Dragon Quest Treasures on December 9th. It's interesting. I probably I'm not that, like super like aching the plate or anything like that, but something that caught my eye at the Nintendo Direct a few weeks ago, and uh, I think that's it as far as um, stuff this year that like is a big release. A lot of it sort of come out, and you know we're waiting for. Well, I didn't mention, mention Bayonetta, um, Bayonetta three, but October is the big month for Switch. We've got Mario Plus Rabbids. We got. Um, uh, well, <laughs> Persona 5, we've got Bayonetta 3, then we're moving in the Pokemon, and um, that's pretty much, um, we're pretty much sorted until uh, early next year with Fire Emblem, and um, yeah, we're going to start a brand new year, and yeah, it's a it's a great sort of platform at the moment, we've got a bunch of, um, bunch of stuff, but got a lot of backlog as well. So moving into your second part of uh, your question, Wacko Jacko, um, a gaming regret, and I was thinking about this when you submitted it, and a very particular one come in for me. 
And this was, this is a classic, you know, trading story. <laughs> I don't know if I've shared it on the show before, but, uh, you know, back in the day when I was a kid and you didn't have too much money and you wanted to get the next game, um, you had to trade in some games. And I went to my local, oh, it, was a, it was a mom and pop shop. I forgot the name of it. Um, I think it was Into Games uh, in Mount Gambia. Went into there and took in, I think it was two DS games. I took in Need for Speed um, Underground on Nintendo DS, which was it was okay, but it was it was enough to <laughs> trade it in. I'm like, oh, I don't need this anymore. And but that wasn't the the heartbreaker. The heartbreaker was I traded in Mario and Luigi Partners in Time. I traded those towards Clubhouse Games on Nintendo DS, and Clubhouse Games is great, but it wasn't worth trading in Partners in Time. It certainly wasn't. I remember getting fifteen dollars or partners in time. And like the, that was my first Mario and Luigi RPG story. And it was awesome. I loved it so much. I played it with my good friends, Adam and Jordan. Um, and it was, it was, I think it was like, it was one of my first RPGs that wasn't Pokemon. So still a very basic RPG, but um, very different just how it all worked with like the gameplay mechanics of, you know, controlling the, the timing for the jumps and the, like the power-ups and that for Mario and Luigi also having the X and Y buttons that control baby Luigi and baby Mario. I feel it was really cool and had a cool story of, you know, the princess shroom taking over the mushroom kingdom and, you know, had like a really spooky, weird atmosphere. Great game, but um, it was sort of a surprise to me because I beat the final boss and, you know, the game finishes, the credits roll and then it boots right up at the checkpoint right outside the first boss. I was really surprised there wasn't any sort of post-game content or anything to do afterwards. And that, that was also something later on when I played The Legend of Zelda where I'm like, so it, it, it kind of really bothered me how you couldn't just like finish the game and then like save after you beat the last boss. Like you want to see like the world after it's like it's cured, it's beaten, you know? <laughs> it bothered me as a kid anyway. But um, but yeah, finishing the game, I had nothing to do. So I don't know, might as well trade it in. It's just sitting there. I'm not going to play it again. I mean me as a 28-year-old, I probably actually would quite like to play that again, Drew. <laughs> 12-year-old Drew, whatever you were. So yeah, that was really frustrating and it's a really expensive game now and the platform I like to collect most is Nintendo DS and 3DS. So, God damn it. Need for Speed would have been all right to have as well. Like, I wish I traded in nothing. Nothing. Like, I've got good memories for Need for Speed on like um, Underground on DS. Might have been Underground 2. I think about it. I think that timing works out for, for the release of the DS. But yeah, I remember going to like Target Country and getting that and just like really enjoying it and like doing the drifting and that. But even at the time, I remember thinking like, this is a bit, it's a bit rough. And I could, oh, I could imagine playing it now. She would be a bit rough. <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, I think that brings to the end. So if, if you guys would like to submit questions, each week I put out, a little uh, little um, tweet on the Twitter, um, just at the House of Mario. So, hey, uh, leave us some questions, leave us some concerns, topics, or whatever you like to me to cover on the show, and you can leave them there. You can also do like a video response as well, and I just play it through my Bluetooth on the Roadcaster, and the audio for your voice can be on the show as well. Um, and I would really appreciate that, guys. It's a lot of fun doing that, and I think it adds a lot to the show, but I'm finding it hard um, you know, to get people to give a shit, to be honest. <laughs> But that's all right. I've got to, um, I'm coming to, uh, you know, getting used to doing this uh, new format. So yeah, hope you, hope you enjoyed anyway, but because this is the end, 
of the show. This is uh, the end of episode 236. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'd really appreciate it. But um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun show. Hope you hope you've enjoyed it, and um, I'd love to um, hear back from you on you know Twitter or the Discord community. There's a link in the show notes if you're yet to be invited. But um, let me know you listen to the show with the hashtag. What should the hashtag be? Let's hash it out, shall we? <laughs> Um, we were just talking about partners in time. So hashtag thom, thom in time, T-H-O-M in time, hashtag, there you go. And let me know what you thought of the show. And uh, also maybe leave some questions for next week while you're at it. While I've got your attention, let me know what you want me to cover on the next show. But until then, guys, the doors to the house of Mario, they're closed. Get the hell out of here. Go on, scally off.